1: Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And guess what, Madigan? What? It's May.
2: It's May. And May is Mental Health Awareness Month. I thought it was another month. I don't think so. It's t- it's totally May, but I I felt, <laughs> I felt like it just happened. But maybe it was another specific. Well, it, it's <laughs> it,
1: mental health awareness day is a different month.
2: Okay, maybe so that's what I was thinking. There's mental health
1: awareness month, which is in May, and then there's mental health awareness day, which is in a different month. So that might I think th- it's might be what you're over? thinking. That might be what you're thinking about. Yeah,
2: I think that might be it.
1: Yeah. So, Either that or
2: like time is just a bizarre concept in the podcast. Uh, time world. is a flat just, circle. It We've is.
1: discussed this before. Yeah. But also, you know, May, along with being Mental Health Awareness Month, it's also the month of Mother's Day. And we just had our Mother's Day episode. And yeah. so I thought it only fitting that we discuss maternal mental health. Mm-hmm. And in particular, of course, what we're going to be talking about is postpartum depression, but there are other things that are also involved. It is a yes. multi-sided coin. A lot of things happen to you when you are pregnant. Surprise. Yeah. Mentally and emotionally. Yeah. Your hormones before and do after. I mean, during and after pregnancy. Of, yeah. Before, during, after. Your body does all kinds of things. Yeah. So it's only natural that... Y- changes would occur and it's not something it is only natural and it should be like a duh kind of situation Uh but unfortunately it's not something that was openly talked about until really this last decade yeah when people really started opening up about the fact that postpartum depression in particular is fairly common yeah uh, and nothing that we should
2: be hiding from or super ashamed of yeah I mean for most of time those women just kind of pulled out in their rooms and waited and prayed for it to pass and didn't discuss it with anybody. You know, it wasn't something that even was probably discussed in a household. Right. Know?
1: Well, because I feel like part of that is because the only emotion that you're supposed to feel as a new mother is is happiness and elation yeah it's the only thing that is really ever talked about i mean even during pregnancy it's only been in the last i'd say a couple of decades where we've really begun to talk about the the real difficulties of pregnancy outside of just like oh you have a pregnancy glow and you know all these kind of positive things that are associated with being pregnant right um it's only been in the last couple decades where women have really felt like they could come out and talk openly and honestly yeah. about the difficulties of all of it.
2: Yeah, specifically Amy Schumer. I really enjoyed it. Did Me
1: you see too. Her, Did you see her stand up? Yes, yeah, she has hyper she had hyperemesis, yeah. which is like
2: like fucking morning sickness to the max which yeah, makes you all the time extremely sick yeah yeah she had a rough pregnancy i really enjoyed the fact that she was so open and honest about it i'm not even like i don't just i don't agree with a lot of what amy Schumer says and does and like i she's definitely a bit problematic in my eyes but i really really she uh you know is is looking better to me after the I, way that she i will say her
1: pregnancy. and the way that special was that special kind of turned me around on Amy Schumer a little bit because, and I do believe people can grow and change. 100%. um, I do feel like Amy Schumer is all in all net positive Uh to the world. I think there's some things that she does. I think we could do a whole episode on things that she does that are highly problematic and and issues, but like that, that special really opened my eyes to a lot of things and so much so that I started following her on Instagram and even the things she has posted post- baby. I love that she's posting these, like, pictures of her looking really less than stellar, because (laughs) it's like... Dude, I feel like we are so often bombarded with images of new moms who look amazing and they got their, you know, pre-baby body back and, like, they look incredible and it sets this really unrealistic expectation. And then
2: when you look at yourself after you have a baby, you're like, why aren't I there?
1: Yeah, why can't I muster up the energy to work out 15 times a day, you Uh, know? Because you
2: have a newborn baby and you're sleeping in 15 minute intervals. And you just, not
1: only did you just create a baby, which Takes so much of your own. Yeah. I, listen, they're lovely and wonderful. And if you wanted one, great. But also, they are kind of parasites. Like, they suck <laughs> so much of your <laughs> life do. force yeah. from you, like when they're feeding on you. Yeah. Essentially. And so, it's like. <laughs> It really. They're parasites. I mean, lovely, but true. They're cute
2: little parasites. They're they're cute
1: little wonderful miracles, bundles of joy, etc. But But they suck the life out of you. But at the same time, it's just like no one should have this expectation that you should be normal either physically or emotionally mm-hmm. because you grew a human. That was zapping your energy. Cut me some slack, people. Yeah, yeah, and then you pushed it out of your body, and you're expected to, like... Or got
2: cut open and had it pulled from you. Or or had
1: all of your organs taken out. That's what they do. (laughs) I know! Like, uh, when someone first told me that, when they were like, yeah, I had a C-section, and my husband almost passed out because he was standing on the wrong side of the partition. Don't do it, guys. Don't do it. And they
2: cut you open, and they take all of your organs out. Yeah. Have you heard of Dax Shepard? And put them Shepard. on the table. Have you heard of Doc Shepard telling the story no. of Kristen Bell's? It's funny. He, it's, he's doing some talk show interview where he tells the story about how he almost passes out because... Yeah, it's a fucking
3: no, dude. He's like, they're taking apart my wife.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and she's awake and she can't feel anything because she's like,
2: da-da-da-da-da. And you're like, what? Your organs are on the table. And that's what he says too is that she was just like chilling. She was cool and he's like freaking out because like her, her
1: innards <laughs> are everywhere. <laughs> I, I will say, okay, in doing the prep for this episode and doing the research for this episode, I am not someone... I've always been about 85% sure I want to have kids. There's, uh-huh. al- there's always going to be a small sliver of of me that's kind of like, if I didn't, I think I'd, I'd right. be all right. But I've always been fairly certain that I want to have children. Doing the prep for this episode, I was like, uh... God, I don't know.
2: <laughs> For me, this like, is something that is caused immense anxiety researching and had to take a few uh, Great British Baking Show breaks because when we're talking about postpartum depression specifically, they talk about when you have depression just anyways, that your chances of yes. having postpartum are so strong. Yes, And that scares me because I love children. I do really, really want to have children one day. Um I've always felt that way and it really hasn't changed. That scares me that I'm going to have a child and not feel connected to it.
0: Well, it's not, it's not it's not necessarily
2: going to be the case. It's not necessarily going to be the case, but I feel I just I have those weird things about me especially when it comes to having kids and my mental health where I just have like a, a if it can happen it's going to happen to me. You know what I mean? I have that it doesn't mean it's logical, but I have that thought process where I'm like it's going to happen to me. And they even say if you've had Depression at a point in your life. And I'm like, well, I've never not had it, and I'm never not going to have it. Right. Like, okay. For me, it's chronic. It's going to happen always. And so, then I start having the fear of, can I take antidepressants while I'm pregnant? So I got into that rabbit
1: hole and just... So if we want to talk about that really quickly, since we're here right now. So here are... Let's just start off top with the fact that, yes, there are certain factors that can put you at higher risk of having either postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety um in general both of these things do not discriminate like any other kind yep. of depression and anxiety i mean it's it, it doesn't matter your social class race status none of those things matter Age. you can get yeah. you can get depression or anxiety at any time same as as postpartum depression and anxiety yeah. any person can get it however you are at higher risk if uh, you have a personal or family history of depression or bipolar disorder check if you've experienced stressful events in the past year prior to your pregnancy mm-hmm. which which could be pregnant or during your pregnancy so pregnancy complications illness financial problems if you are having problems with your significant other or have a weak support system yes. so if you don't have parents or someone there to help support you yeah um, my mom told me many times she never said that she had postpartum depression but by what she said it it could be that yeah. i mean she had my brother and i are 11 months apart yeah so she got pregnant boom, with boom. with me when she was 2 months when my brother was two months old, oh so God. it was hard on her. She yeah. cried when she found out she was pregnant with me. Yeah, and then on top of that, I had colic, and she didn't know. And so I was just oh,
2: you were colic. I was
1: just screaming. Yeah, I was just screaming, <sighs> and she had two children, one and under. You know, yeah. so she and
2: one of them won't shut the fuck. And up. one of them
1: won't stop screaming. And she she told me, and this is kind of a trigger for some of you, but like she told me, she's like. I love you so much, but I understood why people shake their babies. Yeah, She was like, I, if I had not had the support system around me to relieve myself, like, when I needed space, because she had her parents and, or her mom and also my dad's parents uh, there to help, like, if she hadn't had
2: that who fucking knows? Yeah. Of course she would have spiraled into, And that into, doesn't like, mean that your mom isn't a great mother, but, like, my no, God, you need colic support, babies. and you need support. I've um, taken care of a colic baby, and I used to joke that the sound of child screams were the soundtrack of my life, because I had... It was a three-month-old baby who wouldn't stop screaming, and I had to carry him around with me everywhere, and it was just, And I would hit these, like,
1: Mariah Carey-level, like, dog whistle notes yeah. of screams, you
2: know? <laughs> like, so I get that's
1: it. That's why you have
2: such a pretty singing voice. Thank now. you so much. But, like,
1: yeah, I developed those... That's why my mom used to Joke about too. She's like, you develop those lungs real early. Yeah. So, um, those things can contribute. If you're having difficulty breastfeeding, which is another, you know, component that women already
2: feel so ashamed of. I would not breastfeed. And I lost so much weight when I was born that the doctors were like, just bottle feed her, get her some formula. No. It's not a failing.
1: It's not a failing. However, there is a bonding element that happens there. So, if you're having trouble, there's the combination of losing out on that skin to skin, like, Bonding, yeah. and also uh, the shame—the like shame that yeah. we put upon women if they can't do it. And, and there,
2: there are health benefits to breastfeeding. There sure. are things that are in that's in breast milk. Uh, you, you can pump. There's a lot of other things you can do. But there is, there are properties in breast but milk some that women are beneficial. Just
1: can't do it, but, and, or and they can They can't produce enough. I'm the product of it. I'm good. We need to we really, really need to take away that stigma of if you are not able to breastfeed somehow you're defective. Or if you even just
2: choose not to. Or if you choose not to. For whatever reason
1: your baby's gonna be okay. Your baby's eating. It's gonna be fine. Um, But I do think that Part of it is that skin-to-skin contact that could contribute to PPD. Part of it is also the massive amount of stigma we're putting on women. And there's a
2: lot of other ways you can do skin-to-skin contact. Absolutely. I mean Fathers are encouraged to right. lay shirtless, shirtless and yeah. have their, you know, mm-hmm. unclothed baby on them. There right. are other ways that you can create that. You can that have hand.
1: your baby on you and without breastfeeding. Your
2: baby grew inside of you.
1: It knows you. You it know your baby. It knows who you are. Yeah. yeah
2: like, it, that, that should not be a, a factor, right. I believe. Um there are
1: also links between unplanned or unwanted pregnancy and postpartum depression. Now, we in our last mini episode just fucking talked about mm-hmm. the detrimental effects of forcing a pregnancy on somebody who is not equipped to have a baby. And you know, they talk about one of the in, in Alabama, one of the only ways that you would be allowed to have an abortion is if the mother is at a a severe health risk. Yeah. There's a severe health risk to the mother. And and also, what
2: constitutes? They're talking about a physical health risk. Yeah.
1: But here we are talking about postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, postpartum psychosis. The chances of having these disorders go way, way up when you are carrying a child that is unwanted. Like, yep. if you don't want that child, mm-hmm. if it's a product of rape, for instance, or you're just not equipped or ready to have a baby, yeah. your attachment to that child can go way down. Yep. Um, which can also... is also linked to feelings of... then you have complicated feelings of... Resentment? Resentment and guilt. Yeah. Like, maybe because you know you're supposed to have a connection with this yeah. baby that you just don't want to have. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one I have on my list here is uh, oh wait no I've got two more if your baby is experiencing health problems uh, or other special needs it can cause you to have some some depression around that yeah or if your doctor made you go off of all your depressants and mood mood stabilizers which
2: is likely it's very likely so let's, let's talk a little bit about what postpartum depression is so it is a mood disorder that can affect women after childbirth mothers of postpartum depression experience feelings of extreme sadness anxiety and exhaustion that can make it difficult to complete daily tasks which if you think about it like being a person with depression when I'm not taking medication thinking about how hard it is just to do basic life stuff absolutely imagine having those feelings and knowing that you are responsible for another human life and especially a vulnerable human life that cannot do anything for themselves. Well and on top of that if you're talking about so
1: let's talk about both postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety because yeah when I look at myself and my own behavior I feel like I'm more likely to suffer from postpartum anxiety uh-huh. but I think both of these things can be compounded so if you're a person who already has depression or anxiety which is something that People don't talk about when they talk about postpartum depression, they talk about it as this thing that, like, magically happens to women after they've had a baby, where it's far more likely to happen if you've already had depression. Yeah. Um, If you are a person who's prone to depression or anxiety, which women are more likely to be than men already. Yeah. So... You are not only feeling the pressure of having to care for a vulnerable life, but you're also dealing with a major fucking life change. Yeah. Like, your life just changed forever. Forever. And for me, that would cause me a lot of anxiety, I think. Because you're also having – your body's going through hormonal changes. You're being – You're having to care for this innocent life, and also you're having to grapple with the fact that your life will never
2: be the same. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about medically what happens after giving childbirth. So, after giving childbirth? After giving birth to a child. (laughs) Your estrogen and progesterone hormones quickly drop, which leads to chemical changes in the brain that affect your mood. In addition, many new mothers aren't able to get the proper rest needed to recover from giving birth. Constant sleep deprivation can lead to physical discomfort and exhaustion, which can contribute to the symptoms of post Part of depression. Right. <laughs> great. Yeah. Love it. I, I said so, right but yes. Oh, I thought you said great. <laughs> yeah. So and that's the thing that I talk to, talk about a lot when I talk about my depression is the fact that it's not me feeling sad. It's not because of any a lot of times it's not because of anything particularly happening in my life. Uh, my brain does not get the proper amount of uh, serotonin, hormones, all of those things where it just doesn't work without medication it just doesn't work the way that it's quote-unquote supposed to without medication right so Hormones spike during pregnancy. This yeah. is a, kind of like a duh. During
1: pregnancy and childbirth, your hormones are going to spike. Levels yep. may escalate more than 100-fold time, mm-hmm. times what they normally are. Yeah. These hormones are intended to help you along with pregnancy and childbirth, and, you know, they're, they're there to help you get a human out of your body, mm-hmm. and they are also supposed to help you bond with your baby. So... You know, because you, your baby just put you through a lot of physical pain. Mm-hmm. So your body just dis- disperses these hormones to allow you to still love this thing that just put you through excruciating yeah. pain. Yeah. So after childbirth, your estrogen and progesterone levels plummet, having just spiked, which can fuck with your brain chemistry. Yes. Like it really fucks with your brain chemistry, and other hormones produced by your thyroid are likely to drop sharply as well, leaving you feel feeling tired, sluggish and depressed. In addition to all of that, non-psychotic, so not um, not postpartum psychosis, yeah. which is rare, but we will talk about it, yes. but um, non-psychotic postpartum mental issues, depression and anxiety for the most part, are, mo- are the most common complication of childbearing. Studies have shown that women have a great increase of being admitted into a psychiatric facility within the first month after giving birth uh, than at any other time in their lives. Yeah. So the month after you've given birth, you are most... You're at your most... Vulnerable. uh, Vulnerable and fragile mentally. 12-20% 12 to 20% of women will develop symptoms of depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder or a combination of these things during or after pregnancy and 10 to 15% of women may experience an a major depressive episode within 3 months after giving birth. I'm scared. I mean it's scary. I know. I mean it's scary. It's We it's, are not trying
2: to scare you. We are not trying to scare
1: you. I feel <laughs> like we've released a lot of episodes lately that are cautionary tales that are uh, <laughs> scary, but it, the reason why we bring it up is because Even now, in 2019, I feel like... Maternal mental disorders or disorders that are linked specifically to pregnancy and childbirth are stigmatized still. Like, yeah. we still cannot get it out of our heads that you are supposed to feel these magical, wonderful, happy, yeah. fantastic feelings. Well, because that's
2: all we've been fed. Like, it takes a while for uh, a society's mind to change about something like that.
1: When you really, know? scientifically, it makes sense it that makes women sense. would feel... That a lot of women are going to end up feeling kind of despondent. Yeah. After childbirth.
2: Exactly. Should we do, talk a little bit about symptoms? Yes. So, symptoms of postpartum depression include feeling sad, hopeless, empty, or overwhelmed, crying more often than usual, or for no apparent reason, which is just me all the time. Um, That's me. All my of periods. Those, I'm like,
1: it's just me. I mean, honestly, that the other month, not this month, but last month when my period was really bad, Anthony was out of the house. I cried for like... Twenty minutes on the couch by myself. Yeah, for I mean, I'd gone into my own fucking anxiety spiral. Yeah, yeah which yeah. is why I was but crying. For no apparent but reason. But no to the rest of the world. real reason yeah. to be like sobbing on yeah. the couch by myself. Oh,
2: it'll just happen to me sometimes, just for fun. My my brain will just be like, it's time. it's yeah. time for you to sob uncontrollably and think that the world's over. Uh, worrying or feeling overly anxious, feeling moody, irritable, or restless, over or under sleeping. Trouble concentrating, remembering details, making decisions, anger or rage... Loss of interest in activities that are usually enjoyable, physical aches and pains such as headaches, stomach problems, and muscle pain, eating too little or eating too much, withdrawing from or avoiding friends and family, having trouble bonding or forming emotional attachment to the baby, persistent doubting her ability to care for the baby, and thoughts of harming self or the baby. Mm-hmm. I want to make. I want to say something really quick. I did my best in my notes to um, use nondescript um, pronouns for gender. But I, I will have a, a her thrown in there every once in a while because it's true that a lot of people who birth children may not necessarily identify with the, sure. a woman. So yeah. I, I am recognizing that now. I did my best in my notes to be as nondescript as possible. It's going to slip in there because every website uses the she and her pronouns. Sure. Yeah. So just good point. Disclosing. So, a health, uh, only a healthcare professional can diagnose postpartum depression because symptoms are so broad and vary from person to person. That was what I thought after reading all that. I was like, th- every mother, I'm sure, can uh, can attest to one of these symptoms at one point in time. Postpartum. Oh, right. I mean, because, again, having
1: a baby is a major life turning point yeah. for a lot of people. and I would say for so,
2: everybody. Like, well, Mike. My-
1: God! Well, yeah, I mean, I was thinking with the exception of possibly people who are totally okay with and have come to terms with giving their child up for adoption or That's things true. like that. That's true. Uh, but regardless of any of that, your body is still going through a major change, mm-hmm. and your hormones, like, it doesn't change what your body is going through physically. And so, it's perfectly normal and natural, and don't let anyone else tell you otherwise, to feel feelings of you know, being apprehensive yeah. or worried. Like, well, those things are normal feelings. Yeah,
2: I would even say that, you know, if you check boxes on any of these things, I don't think that necessarily means, yes, you have postpartum depression. And that's why I added that, because I feel like it's important to talk to a healthcare professional and right. see if this is something that you really need to address and get help with, or if this is something that you know, can be can be dealt with in other ways. And, and it should be said that some places are now doing
1: screenings uh-huh. um, for postpartum depression That's great. after birth. I think there's only one state as of 2016. I'm not sure. I need to, like, do a deeper dive and see if this has changed. But New Jersey was the only state as of 2016 that mandated that um, women be checked for That's postpartum great. depression. However, studies did not prove that increased screenings necessarily contributed to higher rates of treatment. Yeah, so, well, because even it can also
2: happen much later after given, giving birth. It can take, uh, you know, a month, three months after you've given right, birth. Right, yes. Yeah. It might not happen right away. And yeah. even if you are diagnosed with having PPD,
1: I, I don't think, because... Not only in society in general, but also in certain cultures, it is so stigmatized still that you may not want to get help for it, even if you know you have it. Yeah, Um, exactly. There was a thing that I read that, because most of these studies that have been done, and it it should also be said that there aren't a ton of studies that have been done because they can't really do studies on pregnant people (laughs) for, you know, obvious reasons. Yeah. But most of the studies that have been done are from the perspective of white Western women with white Western cultural norms Yeah, uh, to the point where I had read an article where people were giving their first-hand accounts of having postpartum depression. And black women in particular, women of color, but black women in particular, very often described it as something that they couldn't get help for because the people around them, other mm-hmm. members of the black community or their communities, would say that this was a white woman's disease yeah. and that they just needed to suck it up We've talked about There's this a lot before. of mental illness
2: where that. Occurs. Oh yeah, I mean, you
1: know, as someone who's part of the Black community and has seen it firsthand. Mental health is not something that is openly discussed, right. and I know that that is something similar with a lot of Asian and Hispanic cultures yeah. as well. It's just not something that's talked about.
2: Well, and something that a lot of people say is it's the baby blues. Well, and baby blues is actually a it's term. Real. It it's, is it's a, it a is real a term. It is not the same as PPD. Yes, yeah, so but a lot of people confuse claim it, claim it as being that to make someone feel like it's less severe we kind of worry about back
1: in the day so if you're going to go back to like the 50s or even before that when women were hysterical etc back uh,
2: when they were hysterical you
1: know when when that was kind of just a common thing yeah, to yeah, dismiss yeah. a woman's uh, anything that she might be upsetting her They would say, oh, she just has a case of the baby blues, which is a thing, Yeah, but it is not the same thing as PPD, but for a long time, PPD
2: wasn't a thing, so people just said baby blues. Yeah, well, baby blues is is a term used to describe feelings of worry, unhappiness, and fatigue after having a baby, and it affects 80% of mothers, which I believe... That seems pretty common right, it's, to me. Right, it's very common among
1: new mothers. It usually only lasts a short period of time. Yeah, and there's some mild, of weeks, which makes sense. Again, we've talked about the plummeting of um, hormones. It makes sense that immediately after childbirth, a good portion of mothers are going to feel it's also this buildup, right? Like people talk about um, people talk about having a depression after a wedding, yeah, because you've spent all of these months building Preparing. up to this big. thing. Event right, so it makes sense that there is kind of a lull after that that you have to adjust to. You
2: have that to look forward to.
1: Oh yeah, I'm so
3: excited. Um, so you can shop from anywhere, doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea.
0: And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
2: And with postpartum depression, unlike baby blues, it typically will occur about a week to a month after delivery. So like we said, it's hard to detect right after giving birth if, if a person, if a woman is well, and part of Suffering why part of
1: why it's hard to detect is because baby blues is so common. Yeah. That very often people dismiss any feelings that you might be having as that normal feeling 80% of women have yeah. a feeling kind of bummed out after giving birth. But if after several weeks there is something like 20% from what I read in my research, 20% of women who experience baby blues Then, which I hate that term. We need. We need a new, like, like, trivial. Yeah. But that is the term that's, that's like the medical term that's used. I know. Um, But there is about uh, 20% of women who experience baby blues will then go on to experience full-blown postpartum depression.
2: Right. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what you can do once you've been diagnosed with postpartum depression as far as treatment goes. So the first thing that I read is counseling. Go into therapy pretty common thing. There are two types of therapy that are particularly helpful for women and people with postpartum depression. And the first is CBT, which is, um, cognitive behavioral therapy, which Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of, and it really helps, but it just takes a long time. Um, it helps people recognize and change their negative thoughts and behaviors. So in my experience, it is kind of like relearning your experiences. It's, um, remembering a particularly, um, bad time in your life or discussing a particularly bad time in your life and talking about it enough and changing your language around it and behavior around it in a way that eventually change that changes that negative um, memory into something that's manageable. Right. And then there's IPT, which is interpersonal therapy, which helps people understand and work through problematic personal relationships, which I believe is kind of a more standard type of therapy that you would go to for most most needs that you have is just working through and talking through those um, problematic relationships or problematic instances where I feel that CBT tends to kind of go into really um, changing the perspectives that you have on things Mm -hmm. that you've been through. You can also uh, turn to medication, which is typically considered safe while breastfeeding. So since I mentioned medication, let's chat about different medications that can be used during pregnancy and certain medications that cannot. And we should preface this by saying...
1: We're not doctors. Go to your fucking doctor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Go go to your doctor because situations are different. Medications Mm. are finicky. Um, even if it's something that is quote-unquote safe for you during your pregnancy, it's something that should be monitored closely. Get an opinion. With Get the, a real opinion yeah, from a doctor. You and your doctor should have this conversation.
2: Yeah, uh, the reason that I looked this up is because I know myself when I am not on my, on my medication... And it's not pretty. It's, right. It's bad, bad, bad news. I recently had to have my medication gone up. I believe I'm going to need another slight uptake coming up. I know what I'm like. I don't want to go through it. And that scares me that I may go through pregnancy having to feel like that. So I wanted to look up uh, the medication that I was on specifically, but also what's considered to be um, potentially safe and unsafe when it comes to taking medication with your along with your pregnancy. So Mayo Clinic... So says that typically SSRIs, which are serotonin reuptake inhibitors, such as Celexia, Prozac, Zoloft, and Lexapro, which I'm on, mm-hmm. um, may cause—it's particularly safe. It's one of the safer ones, but it can cause postpartum hemorrhaging, which is heavy bleeding after birth, premature birth, and low birth weight. But they are saying that these risks are relatively low. Again, talk and, to your doctor. And it could be, you
1: know, as simple as maybe changing your dosage or changing something like dosage, that.
2: Changing dosage, monitoring dosage— um, different things like that. They're saying that, so Paxil is a medication that I, I was on when I was a child. They're saying that Paxil um, is one of the SSRIs that may not be as safe. They're saying that it can be associated with fetal heart defects. It's uh, so a good thing I'm not on Paxil anymore. Um, SNRIs are also medications that can potentially be something that is safe for you to take while you are pregnant. And SNRIs are serotonin and non reuptake inhibitors such as Cymbalta and Effexor XR, which they can also potentially cause postpartum hemorrhaging. So they're saying that medications to avoid while being pregnant are medications such as Paxil, like I said, MAOIs, which is a monamine oxidase inhibitor, such as Nordol and Parnate. Those last two I've never heard of, so I don't know. And the risk for the baby while you are taking these medications while pregnant is um, especially during the last trimester, your baby may experience temporary symptoms like jitters, irritability, poor feeding, and respiratory distress for up to a month after birth. Which is uh, interesting for me. To, I'm wondering about the wording of that because I'm picturing a baby in in the womb having jitters. Yeah, like I'm wondering if there's a weird because it's talking about poor feeding and things like that. So I wonder if there if I didn't understand that right. Oh, I don't know. That sounds weird to me. But they they're saying it can be up to a month after birth. So they're saying that it, maybe they're saying that if you take medication while you're pregnant, that for the first month of birth. Like some kind of involuntary muscle
1: spasm or something yeah. like
2: that. Okay. And, and you could have, you know, difficulty, you know, feeding the baby. They could have some sort of respiratory dis- distress. Um, and what I said in all bold at the bottom of this page is consult your doctor and weigh the pros and cons. That's exactly right. You have to do what's right for you. and what, Right. And what you and your doctor discuss. Right. I mean, it, it's something... He-
1: most likely, you and your doctor are going to be able to come to a conclusion
2: that um, works for both you yeah. and your baby. And I, and I see it. I'm glad that I, I learned what I learned because I know, like I said, I would very much like to have children in the future. I'm glad that I have that option to um, be safe really while being pregnant because i feel for me i'm i'm not me when i'm not right and everybody is different as yeah. well
1: it's going to process uh medication differently yeah um so what works for one person might not work for somebody else and that's just something that you're going to have to uh, see about, there might be some trial and error there. Yeah. As long as you're being safe.
2: And monitored, and, you, you know? You know,
1: yeah. That's the most important thing. Yeah. So do we want to talk a little bit about other maternal mental issues? I really do. Okay. I mean, so we're,
2: we're doing the episode. We might as well talk about it. Let's right? do it.
1: So we've spent a lot of time talking about postpartum depression, and there's very good reason for that. It's because it is the most talked about maternal mental illness. Mm -hmm. However, postpartum anxiety is actually more common than postpartum depression. It's just something that is not talked about as much.
2: And I think a lot of times, just even with mental health in general, anxiety and depression get they get lumped meld in together a lot. Uh, very
1: often. They get lumped in. However, postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety, there is distinct differences between okay. the two. Tell me about it. So them. there was a study from 2013 from pediatrics that found uh, that out of its sample population of 1,000 new moms, nine percent experienced postpartum depression, while 17 percent experienced postpartum anxiety. Okay. Uh, PPA, postpartum anxiety, is also typically experienced longer term than. PPD. Okay. Uh, Whereas PPD often, not always, will run its course uh, far more quickly than postpartum anxiety. Postpartum anxiety is more likely to linger for a longer period of time. Uh Uh-huh. So while postpartum depression is usually, uh, usually associated with low energy, not being able to get up and do things kind of almost like a sloth sleeping for long periods. Yeah. And even if you're not sleeping, you're usually kind of you know. You're still
2: low energy. Your energy is very low. Uh,
1: PPA is associated with an almost manic energy. Yeah. This is why I feel like this is what I would have. Like, my problem is typically not being able to turn my brain off.
2: Yeah. You would be, like, like, overworking. You'd be,
1: like... Overworking. Over con- overly concerned all the yeah. time about, like, what you're doing right and wrong constantly yeah. as you're in your role as a new mom. Yeah. Um, there's so much energy that you don't know what to do with it, and it, it often manifests in OCD-type symptoms yeah. where you become really obsessive about certain things, and it can also include really intrusive thoughts, mm-hmm. which is what my problem is most of the time, just, like, running thoughts that don't stop. So that one is probably the one that I feel like is talked about the least. There's not a ton of information about postpartum anxiety because it's not something that is talked about very often. So in addition to postpartum anxiety, before we move on to the next thing, which I think is probably the most extreme thing we're going to talk about, we should also just briefly touch on the fact that These aren't all postpartum mental illnesses. There's also prenatal depression. Yeah. Which is very common, which is something that happens very often when women... uh, Women who have a history of depression and anxiety, once they become pregnant... They will experience depression that is linked to their pregnancy, even if it's a wanted pregnancy. Yeah. They can experience, you know, whether it's fluctuation in hormones or just being on the precipice of something kind of huge and new and big in their lives. Uh, prenatal depression is a thing that happens that is not talked about very much and yeah. can very much affect uh, a woman's mental health and mental well being, especially going into childbirth, which yeah. is a, a big, big deal. Yes. So, okay, let's move on and talk about postpartum psychosis. Let's do it. Let's talk about it.
2: So it only occurs in one to two out of every very thousand rare. deliveries. It's one very thousand. rare. So yeah. we
1: don't want to scare you off top. Postpartum psychosis, extremely rare.
2: Extremely rare. All right. So the onset is usually sudden, often within the first two weeks of postpartum. Let's talk a little bit about what psychosis is. Psychosis is a break from reality, and it usually causes it causes delusional thinking and irrational judgment that you really can't be talked out of. You very much believe in the delu- delusions Absolutely. and the hallucinations, and that break in reality is your reality. Right? Yeah. So it's it psychosis. A very it's a, that's what psychosis means. just yeah. In case any of you were confused,
1: so this is a psychosis did it. brought on by having a
2: child. Yes. So some of the symptoms are delusions and strange beliefs, hallucinations, irritated feelings, hyperactivity, decreased need or inability to sleep, paranoia and suspiciousness, rapid mood swings, and difficulty communicating at times. And they say that the people who are most at risk for postpartum psychosis, doesn't mean you're going to get it, are people who have a history of bipolar or previous experiences with psychotic episodes. Right. Right.
1: And the reason why, um, I mean, any form of psychosis is scary. Yeah. Any break with reality in this way, where it feels very, very, very real to the person who's experiencing it, um, is scary. Postpartum psychosis is particularly scary because the potential to harm yourself or your child uh, it the goes, risks it, are very the high. risks are high that you could at least have the urge to if if not yeah. go through with it.
2: I have read some stories of women saying that they never experienced the delusions of harming their right, child. Right. Yes. So it's not doesn't mean it's gonna it, happen. It's a potential happen. symptom. Yes. It's not necessarily going
1: to happen, but that is why people are so afraid of it. Yeah. I know the first time that I ever heard about postpartum psychosis, yeah. it wasn't something that I knew was a thing that happened until I heard about Andrea Yates. So yeah. Andrea Yates, if you guys don't know or don't remember, she I remember Remember this case. This is one of those like true crime cases that will stick out in my head forever and ever because yeah. she was the mom in Texas. I think it was in the mm-hmm. late nineties or the early two thousands, and I remember it because everyone talked about it. Yeah. And everyone talked about it like she was this monster uh-huh. human being, uh, which she isn't, but she drowned all five mm-hmm. of her children in a bathtub. Mm-hmm. And when it I heard such that a
2: horrifying of story.
1: course everyone around me and my brain was just like and the stigma around mental health it was not something that was talked about at that time and so you of course thought what a terrible person and then when you learn about her story what you learn is she was very clearly having postpartum psychosis to the point where her and her husband they were fundamentalist Christians in Texas yep she was a stay-at-home mom because her husband wanted her to be a stay-at-home mom. I'm not blaming him, mm-hmm. but he wanted her to be a stay-at-home mom. They didn't believe in birth control. After their third or fourth child, her delusions and hallucinations were becoming so bad, she thought that the devil was literally manifesting himself in, in her life physically. Mm-hmm. And she went to the doctor with her husband, and her doctor told her husband she should not have any more children. Yep. Like, it. this is has to do with childbirth and the number of children she's had, like, it, she's having postpartum psychosis. She should not have any more children, yeah. but they didn't listen, and they had another child or another two children, and when their newest baby was very little, she snapped. I mean, essentially, she snapped, and, like... It made me feel so sorry for her because... she tried. She tried. She sought mental help. She didn't get what she needed. Mm -hmm. And we had no understanding of what postpartum psychosis was. It's not her fault she had a break with reality. Yeah. You know? And um, that's the first time I'd ever heard that. And it made me feel so bad, and it also made me feel so bad that
2: it took me until I was in my, like, early
1: 20s. But that that
3: makes sense. Before I knew it was a thing. Because it's a
2: horrifying story. Like, it, 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 your first reaction, I think most people's first reactions would be to go to that when you don't have the information available. Because, yeah,
1: children are innocents, and
2: so you immediately want to point your finger somewhere. Yeah. But,
1: you know, this is something that, this is a reason why we need to Uh, believe women when they tell you, because historically, right, women are not believed when they tell you what's happening with them. When they yeah. tell you that they're in pain or that they're having mental health problems. Yeah. She had a doctor who believed her and again, I'm not blaming her husband but she yeah. had a husband who didn't take her seriously. Well, it's because of,
2: it's because of how they were raised and, and where they lived right. and the people they surrounded themselves with. Like that. I I don't put any blame on a specific person. I put blame on the fact that the information about postpartum psychosis wasn't readily available and It wasn't to anyone. Not to, just them. Not just but, yeah. to them but specifically within maybe their religious community and their family's community. Right. They had this belief, and this is why, you know... Like, fix-it-yourself kind of belief. And and I don't ever
1: want to come across as harsh to religious communities. I understand the good that it serves. Uh, But when it comes to things like this, where you just say, well if God wants to stop it, God will stop it, which yeah. essentially was their attitude. If God yeah. wants us not to have any more kids, we don't need to do anything proactive. He just won't have
2: us get pregnant yeah, maybe again. Maybe just like, stop having sex. I don't know. If you're not going to, have like, use birth control or anything, like... Right, maybe but the, just... the mentality there... No, I know, I know. You know, it's like... I And I understand
1: it from a religious perspective, but when it comes to your wife's mental health and, like, well-being, yeah, you can't just say, like... Well... God will take care of it. Yep. <laughs> you yeah, know?
2: I agree. God gave you a doctor that told you what to do. That's exactly, what God did. That's God's sign to you. So, to make us feel a little bit better, there is a 5% suicide rate with postpartum psychosis and a 4% infanticide... Infanticide? Infanticide rate. You're I right. I know. I'm just wondering what where the inflection on that I think that it's word infanticide. Is. Infanticide. Okay. Um, because during a psychotic break, delusions make sense and feel very real. Delusions are are often religious, as you said. So a lot of times they believe that the devil is manifested right. within their children or in their lives in it, some way. Yeah, in Andrea Yates' case, she thought she was protecting
1: her children from yeah. the devil. Well, and they're you know? saying that
2: a lot of times the the break in reality reality can be somewhat of a like religious right. tie or experience. Um, many survivors of postpartum psychosis never have delusions involving violent demands, which I think is another uh, really important thing to drive home. And most don't even harm themselves or others. Yes. So just so, because you have postpartum psychosis yes. doesn't mean that you are going to immediately have violent um I, idea, I, ideations, yes. ideations. Wow, yeah. I'm like. No, you're you're right. I, I just I can guess myself. <laughs> um, it doesn't but, mean that you're going to hurt yourself or somebody else. Yeah.
1: So I do want to drive that home. Sorry for coming out of the gate with being like, look how scary. This is, <laughs>
2: Andrea Yates is the
1: is the, the worst case worst scenario. Case scenario. Yeah. In general, just like any other mental illness, typically these are the exceptions yeah. to the rule. More often than not. Uh, people who are mentally ill aren't going to hurt anybody. Yeah. Uh, Even people who are psychotic aren't typically going to hurt anyone. Yeah.
2: So here's some ways to plan ahead for postpartum psychosis. The first thing they say is plan ahead. (laughs) See a psychiatrist who specializes in prenatal mood disorders before and during pregnancy to monitor mood and receive treatment quickly if needed. Monitor your sleep. Lack of sleep can be a major trigger and early warning sign of PPP. This uh, Dr. Friedman says, if a woman feels too hyped up and is not able to sleep, that is a warning sign that she should see a doctor. They also say, put a support system in place. Postpartum psychosis patients can't be shaken from delusions and do not believe they are ill. So it is very important for them to have people around them who can ground them and give them the help that they need. Absolutely. And some ways that these people can help. I've got a few... a few uh what's the word i'm looking for i can't think today hotline hotlines a few few ways for people to reach out if they need any help so the national crisis hotline you can text home to 741741 you can also call 1-800-273-8255 you can also go to www.suicidepreventionlifeline.org You can call for yourself or someone else that you care about. It's free and confidential, and it has a network of more than 140 crisis centers, and they are available 24/7. Resources is the word we were looking for. Thank you. Oh my god. Resources. You can also um, visit uh, this organization called Postpartum International. It doesn't handle emergencies, um, and the Postpartum Stress Center, which the phone number for that is six one zero. 525-7527 525-7527 or you can go to postpartumstress.com. So again, those last ones, they don't handle emergencies, but if you're just starting to feel like
1: maybe something's a little off and you need support, if you're not feeling supported mm-hmm. um, with you know by those around you, contact those last ones. They're yes. a good resource for you. And
2: if you feel that you are in an emergency, if you're at risk to yourself, to your children, or to anyone else, I would say the first thing you do is call 911, call your emergency uh, out, outlet of any kind wherever you may be living in whatever country and get immediate help as soon as possible. If you have the ability to reach the na- national crisis hotline if you're able to dial that number or text them, do it, but if you are in a dire emergency, call 911. Yeah, and don't Don't be afraid to lean
1: on your support system if you are lucky enough to have one. Yeah. Don't feel like you are failing. Don't feel like you are alone in this situation. You, if you are lucky enough to have support, contact them. Don't feel ashamed. Um, like, you're doing something wrong or, like, yeah. you're not a good mother or you're not a good person because you need to contact somebody and ask for help. Yeah. call If your mom can help you, if your mother-in-law can help you, if your girlfriend can help you, Yeah, if somebody in your life is available to take your kid for a little while while you can breathe or sleep or do whatever you need to do.
2: Or even if you need to contact any of these places right? And safe. And a lot of times, like, your support system are the people who can validate Your feelings for you, right? they can be grounding for you and help you feel like you have a a better sense of reality. And if you don't feel like you have a sense of reality at the moment, they they will be able to step in for you, possibly, and help you. Yeah. Not everyone has a supportive partner. Yes. But hopefully
1: you You have have somebody in your life. And don't be afraid to call those people. You're not a burden to them. Yeah. You're someone in their life who they hopefully want to help. Yeah.
2: I mean, if you're in danger, I feel like the people... People around you that do love you, like if if you didn't reach out to them, that would make them. Feel and I'm a person who a, a sort of way who you know? closes
1: myself off from people. I do feel like a burden to people around me whenever I'm struggling. I have a tendency if I'm struggling to close my door and deal with it on my own until yeah. I feel like it's passed. Um, that's a, a me problem, but I really encourage if you know, and I would encourage myself. I would tell myself yeah. the same thing. If you have a child that's involved in this situation, mm-hmm. not just for yourself, but for your child, do what you need to do for your own mental health. Yeah. Like, it's only going to benefit everyone around you if you can get the kind of support you need. Yeah. And take the time you need for yourself. Yeah. You need to do that.
2: Can I give you a, a thing that I've told a lot of people in my life and that I've implicated into my life when I feel like I'm getting into an isolated place in my anxiety or depression. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's really hard to like put into words what you're feeling. It's really hard to ask for help or maybe you don't want to discuss what you're going through. I had a thing with a friend of mine getting out of treatment where we would send each other like the swirly emoji, like we were swirling out of control a little Mm -hmm. bit. And that just meant we didn't have to talk about what was going on, but we needed to make another person aware of the fact that we may be spiraling, that we may be having a hard time and just having that other person be aware of what was going on was really, really great. Right. I think that's an amazing idea. Yeah. Because I do not
1: always like to talk about what's going on with me, but it is there is safety in knowing that this person knows you might be struggling. You're on their radar now to know that, like, okay, I need to pay a little bit of extra attention to them, even if I'm not outright asking them what's going on. Yeah. I need to just be aware that, you know, I need to watch out for yeah. signs for them. You well, know? And,
2: and for me, I mean, you knew me when I was at a very low place in my life. I didn't really discuss it very freely. I pushed everything down. Everything was fine. It wasn't a big deal. And I learned through isolating myself that I wasn't getting anything done, that I wasn't getting... Um, the reaction that I needed from other people and it, it like made me the opposite. Like now when I'm upset, I've got like a list of people where I'm like, who can I contact? I'm going to contact one of these people until somebody picks up the phone because I just, I cannot be alone right now I need to let somebody know that I'm not okay. Right. And that has helped me immensely because I'm now more scared of isolating myself than I am of talking to someone about right. it because I know the dangers that come along with me isolating myself. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we have a little bit of time. I want to talk about some celebrity postpartum depressions. Do it. Stories. So, Serena Williams opened up after she had her daughter Olympia. Her daughter was born via emergency C section, and Serena experienced a life threatening pulmonary embolism. She says, I think people need to talk about it more because it's almost like the fourth trimester it's part of pregnancy she says i don't remember one day i couldn't find i remember one day i couldn't find olympia's bottle and i got so upset i started crying because i want to be perfect for her Alyssa milano wrote an essay for time about how she finally got help after years of having anxiety and postpartum depression she says during her first pregnancy her strict birthing plan didn't go as expected which triggered intense anxiety Yeah, perfectionists, both of them. It sounds like exactly which I
1: totally get,
2: especially with something like
1: you want it to go perfectly. Like that would be me. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not a control freak in all things, but I think I would be a control freak in that situation. It's a pretty important thing. It's a
2: scary thing you're stepping into, and you want to be able to micromanage every part of it. Yep. She goes on to say the first night after we returned from the hospital, I suffered my first panic attack. I felt like I had already disappointed my child. After finally seeking help, she recognized how critical, how crucial it is to be seen and heard when suffering from postpartum depression to raise awareness. She says, and if you see me on the street, please come tell me I'm not alone. And I thought that was lovely. Alanis Morissette also opened up about her postpartum depression. She says, I'm used to providing and protecting and for postpartum times, I was devastated, and it had me questioning my identity. It had me questioning everything. Morissette was diagnosed a year and a half after her first pregnancy, and the second time she got pregnant, she was prepared. She said, I was ready, whether I'm adjusting to this hormonally or through vitamins or through omegas and allopathic medicine or whatever. I was ready to do anything. On family support, she says, even just sitting near my husband and leaning on him and hearing his heartbeat, it is so healing. And I can attest to that. There's something about... Like human connection when I'm feeling uh, intense anxiety or depression, or hearing someone's heartbeat and like laying on them, there's something about that that's always really like. Well, I don't think we
1: ever grow out of that. I think that there is something to be said. It's why something in you changes when you have like body to body contact. Yeah. Or like, again, I am a person who pulls away whenever I'm feeling anything other than happy yeah (laughs) I typically just withdraw um but there are times when if you can get me in a place where I'm vulnerable where if I hug you there is something about if I even just press my cheek into your neck or like something that's like skin to skin yeah there is something that's primal about feeling like connected you know I remember when my little brother was a baby He would sleep with this teddy bear that had this sound in it that made this. That's
0: the most important baby thing
2: to ever buy for someone who's pregnant.
1: It sounded like a, a what the heartbeat sounds from inside. Yeah, the the mother's heartbeat. And I think that that never goes away. It's like why we like the sound of fans going when we're sleeping and why it's so comforting to us to feel or hear someone else's heartbeat. Yeah, and
2: they do say that um, by being connected to a person skin to skin and hearing and feeling their heartbeat, they say that a lot of times heartbeats will start to sink. Mm -hmm. So if you're... Having like a rapid heart rate and being very anxious, sometimes being connected with someone like that and feeling yes. their heartbeat can then yes. regulate your. I will rate. do that if
1: I'm in bed. Usually, when my anxiety attacks hit, it's when I'm in bed, you know, and I'm Trying awake, to sleep and or, yeah. you know, Anthony sleeping, and I'll just put my hand on his chest. You yeah. know, it does help a little it bit. Rounds you, it and it
2: really it helps you kind of your heart regulate back down to where it's supposed to be. Um. Chrissy Teigen opened up about her postpartum depression. She talks about the physical pain depression can bring, uh, loss of appetite and isolation during postpartum, where a lot of times people don't talk about the physical um, symptoms that come along with depression and postpartum depression. Gwyneth Pelcher talks about how she struggled to feel connected to her son Moses, thinking she was a terrible mother. And, um, I think that that's probably one of the most common feelings that women have when they have, or that people have when they have postpartum depression. A lack of connection. Is a lack of connection and a feeling of guilt and, um, even just, like, self-loathing and hatred for not feeling the way that you're supposed to feel. I think that's a pretty general thing that you can look at with postpartum depression is that you're frustrated with not feeling the way that you're supposed to feel. Yeah, I mean, and someone that we
1: haven't mentioned that, um was really my first introduction to a celebrity having postpartum depression was Brooke Shields. Brooke yeah. Shields came out in, like, the early 2000s. She had that infamous uh, feud with Tom Cruise because Tom Cruise is a Scientologist. Yeah. And Brooke Shields came out and said, I had postpartum depression. I had to get on medication to deal with it. And Tom Cruise criticized the fact that she had to be on medication. Like, she was somehow, like... Was
2: she like, to Tom Cruise?
1: He just made a comment oh, about okay. how like people Got it. because they don't believe in medication, yeah, 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 um, and he was widely criticized for that. He had a lot of interviews defending himself, yeah. you know, and and Brooke Shields had a lot of inter- interviews defending herself, but she was one of the first people that I ever saw come out and say yeah, I had postpartum depression. Here's how it affected me. I had to get on medication. And she was very open about that, I feel like, at a time when people weren't talking about it yeah. and people also weren't talking about being on meds uh, for depression at all. Like, celebrities yeah. were not talking about mental health at that time. And uh, she has since then, I saw her recently, she was on The View because she's on a TV show right now. And, um, I saw her on The View, and she was talking about how she had a book come out, I think, fairly recently, where she detailed her difficulties with postpartum depression. And she really makes that one of her, kind of the crosses that she bears now. Yeah. That she talks about very, very openly because she does want other women to come forward and have these conversations because it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how successful you are. This can happen to you. And it's not a failing. It's not a personal failing. You haven't failed as a mother. You don't love your child any less than anybody else does. It's just you had an imbalance
2: yeah. in your brain that needed to be sorted out. It's a That's it. It. it's a medical thing, you guys. It's right. nothing it just it's like breaking a bone. It's like needing to go to the doctor for a checkup. It is so important to speak with a healthcare professional because it is just as valid as anything else and don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. Agreed. It's crazy.
1: Okay, well, <sighs> thank you guys so much for joining us. I thank loved you. doing the research on this episode. Can't
2: say I loved it. it well, me
1: I mean, a lot of stress. <laughs> it did cause me stress. It did cause me a lot of fear. But you know what? Uh, all of that stuff that we just said, which is that like. It is nothing to be ashamed of, or afraid of, or afraid of. Really, I mean, it's something to be aware of yes. and move forward cautiously uh, with your healthcare providers, yeah. especially if it's depression and anxiety are things that you struggle with. Yeah, but you know what? Women are strong. Women have been doing this forever, so Females you know. Females
2: are strong as hell. Don't ignore it trust
1: yourself, trust your instincts, trust your doctor, and it'll all be okay. But in the, I love doing episodes like this, though, because I feel like it's, it is an important thing for, for people to know that if these are things you're experiencing or feeling, if you're pregnant right now and you're like, I should be feeling happy and glowing and wonderful and I'm not, like, that's not unusual. You're a totally normal person.
2: Yeah, and I find that when I have stress researching something there is something about talking about it that like by the end of like like right now I don't right. feel as stressed out talking about it talking yeah. through working it working it out we're good working it out So, if you
1: have any stories you would like to submit to us, at this point, we're taking all stories. We want to all... We love hearing what you guys have to say. Yep. I know in our last episode, we asked for abortion stories, which I am still very interested in Uh getting and hearing. Of course, we'll keep you anonymous, if that's what you'd like. Yeah. We are also looking for coming out stories next month. Uh, We have a good handful... And thank you so much to everybody who's already submitted stories because you're so brave and vulnerable in those stories. And it's, like, so heartwarming to the both of us when we read those. So thank you so much. And if you have any more, please submit those to us. We are also looking for fatherhood stories for next month. Yep. So along the lines of our motherhood episode, if you haven't listened to that, go listen to that. We're looking for kind of similar things about your relationship with your dad positive, negative, everything in between. Father figures. Um, Father figures, people who have stepped in and kind of fulfilled that need in your life. We want to hear all about all of those things. Yep. Um, So you can email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram. Please join us on Instagram. We have a great time there. And you can also submit your stories there at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can get us on Facebook. We have a business and a group page. You can submit stories to us on Facebook. You can also rate and review us on our business page. Um, And that's Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can also get us on Twitter at YAMF Podcast. Y-A-N-F. Podcast. We also want to encourage you to listen on Radio Public. It is free for you. It helps us out to listen through the app on your phone uh, or other tablet iOS device. You can also leave us a review, which we will use for our Reviews Day Tuesdays uh, on Apple Podcasts. So I think that's everything. That's everything.
2: Yeah, you just have a different order than me, but I was going through the checklist in my head. So we we got it. Everything. Thanks, you guys, so much for listening to another episode. With all of that being said, we encourage you
0: to, to rage on. on. Bye. Hello, dear stranger. I'd like to introduce you to something new. Or perhaps something very, very old. The Heresies of Radolf Burnt Wine is a horror fantasy medical mystery. Following the titular monk turned traveling medical investigator. Follow Radolf as he navigates a nightmare world in which viruses are gods and the human race are not their favorite children. Steeped in history and an aesthetic that can only be described as a combination of occult academia and laboratory Judaica, the heresies of Radolf Burntwine have been described as Umberto Eco meets H.P. Lovecraft. For more information, check out the Patreon at thorb.info. But take care, dear stranger, for some truths are best left unknown.